Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to a pre-season business edition of On The Continent, your one-stop shop for everything to do with European football. I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. Is Lewandowski to Barca a pipe dream going up in smoke? Also, Lukaku goes back to Inter to get his mojo working again. But what are the knock-on effects of his return to Serie A? And who's done the best Euro business in the Premier League so far? Andy, I don't know about you, but I can actually see Lewandowski in Barca's red and blue stripes. Is that in my dreams? Well, it's it's a dream that's been pushed all over the place hasn't it um it's, it's been clear that two out of the three parties uh desperately want it but Bayern have not really had to batten down the hatches as much as they they might have done and they set their stall out pretty early in the window um you know they said um that they, they weren't going to let him go they were going to hold him to the last year of his contract as we mentioned before on here Uli Hernes, who still likes a word, even though he's uh, got not so much day-to-day involvement with Bayern. He said, well, we've seen how Lewandowski works. He wanted to leave us a year, leave for us a year before he actually did. He wanted to leave Dortmund a year before, and um, they held him to the last year of his contract, and he had a really productive season, so we know he's not going to down tools. And the biggest problem, though, has been 
Barcelona because we have made progress. Lewandowski has got by into a point where they're happy to name a price, which they weren't even a, a month ago. But the big problem is Barcelona can't come anywhere near that despite the fact they're moving various financial chairs at the end of their financial year at the moment. Um, of course, they've got in a bit more cash um, from partial sale of their TV rights. They've sold 10% of their TV rights, we found out on Thursday afternoon, to an American hedge fund. That means they've still got 15% of their TV rights that they're um, allowed to sell because they were given permission by the socios of the club or the, the, the socios representing the voices of the other socios to sell up to 25% of those TV rights. I, I, I don't know about you, David, but at a point where they still can't register Christensen, Kessier, or even Cirque Roberto, who they've, was already their player and they've re-signed to a new contract, it all seems incredibly short-termist. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's very. I think it's really really bleak, and I think what makes it worse is, you know, if they are doing these deals. I mean, they played it down. They said like, you know, the idea of this cash injection basically is just to, you know, make sure they end the financial year in profit. So they're playing down that the fact that the money's for, uh, for actual signings. But I mean, we all know it is. The fact that they want to spend some of the money that they freed up on a 33 year old striker, who is pretty much won it all and you do have to wonder you know how much hunger has he still got how much has also he still got in the tank in Lewandowski it's just yeah it's just another strange strange Barcelona decision and look I know he's one of the best strikers in the world of course but it is it's again it's all short-termist the the long-term plan in there from Barca just doesn't seem really to be there and it's it's gravely concerning and you know they're back and forths with with Gavi on, on a new contract and, and, and you know and other young players have been asked to drop their demands and such and it's poor it really has and it's not going to be a while before they actually sort themselves out if you know I'm talking a long long time before they actually do as well what, what about the Barca fans though David they, they must be at least intrigued if not excited about the prospects of somebody like Lewandowski age you know notwithstanding coming to Barca nevertheless yeah of course it's it's Robert Lewandowski he's been one of the best strikers in the world for for the last couple of years of, co- of course but I think that Barcelona, Barcelona fans are a funny bunch they're um they, they, they care a lot you know there's some who are willing to you know, leave the star signings, leave the big names and, and operate on a basis of bringing in young players, be through the academy or around Europe. They, they'd they rather sign, a, a, I think, a, a bright young player with a, with a big, big future, you know? Um, it's why there's so much, you know, sadness over what's happening with Frankie de Jong. I think there was like a lot of feeling for him and, and what he could bring as well, but it just hasn't worked out. And, you know, I think they'd they'd rather see somebody like him succeed or see a player from the academy succeed than Lewandowski come in. But then there is that other part of the fan base that does want signings now and to compete now on all fronts. And I don't think even if they get Lewandowski that they're prepared to, to, to do that. I think the other thing is that they need defenders I mean they, they spent a lot of January getting forward players um, I think if you're talking about on terms of what they actually need on the, on the pitch they need uh, reliable centre-backs for, for a start the midfield they've got sorted and I think the fact that they've got a young midfield that's going to be propelled forward by um, Pedri uh, Gavi 
Nico, that that sort of allows them to sell the illusion of the fact that they're going forward with young players. Whereas the rest of the team, you know, they've already brought in Aubameyang, who's, you know, short-term been very successful and I think could continue to be for a, for a while. The problem that Juan Laporta, the president, has done is, and we've seen this with selling part of the rights, with getting a deal with Spotify that's what a lot of Barcelona observers believe is below market value for the shirts and for the, the sponsorship of, of Camp Nou, is... Without superstars, you can't get the big sponsorship deals. And I think sometimes as fans, we always look at it like, you know, what is the player who's going to be the silver bullet that's going to push my team over the hump? And a lot of elite clubs, I don't think look at it like that anymore. Like, how is this player going to fit? How are we going to sell the sponsorships? How are we going to get um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook impressions all of that sort of all of that sort of stuff matters to advertisers and matters to the financial health of the club. I think it matters a lot to Javier Tebas as well. If you look at the way that he's gone at PSG, he's gone at Man City. He's so envious of the superstars that are going to the Premier League. That, you know that that have been you know that Mbappe stayed at PSG. Um, he's envious of this, and he's tried to curate the league on a basis of you know pushing it forward with those sponsorship deals that, that you mentioned as well. And this is a big, big issue for him. And every now and then it does boil over and he is gravely, gravely concerned. And he knows that he can try and sell the Liga on the stance of, you know, look at some of the, the great young players that are there and such like that. But there, are, there is still not really that, you know, those, those big superstars, they just aren't there anymore. They, they're, still, they're still in a, a depression, still in a hangover from the Messi-Ronaldo years. This tweet from Callum um, to us and... He asked the question, I suppose everybody wants to know, where do you actually think Lewandowski will end up or not end up uh, this season? If he doesn't make it to Barcelona, where will he be playing? Will he just run out his contracts to the point where he can go for free? I I think he's he's a Bayern player in 22-23. I just don't think Barcelona have the ability to make it happen. I think Bayern will hold him to his contract, as we said, knowing that um, he he will continue to be very productive for, for them. But I think the idea that there'll be less of a market for Lewandowski next year... I don't buy that at all. I mean, he'll be 34 by then, of course, but you look at him, he's not just a player who's maintaining his form. He's a player that's improving his form going into his 30s. Um, I think he's got plenty of years left. I think he's very, very attractive on a free next summer. Maybe Barcelona, which seems to be the only club he wants, uh, are at the front of the queue then. Goodness knows what financial position they'll be in by then. But it, I guess the extra year gives Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, others the opportunity to make their representations to him. Because I think the thing we've seen, Dotton, with this market this summer is that there are not a lot of um, top-line A-plus elite number nines out there in the market. And I think you look at the way that some of the biggest clubs are looking at reinforcing their squads. I think the market's quite tight in that sense. And I wonder if that's had an influence on, say, you know, Lukaku moving to uh, moving back to Inter. And I think it's certainly, if we go back a year, had an influence in Chelsea re-signing a player that was completely unsuitable for them. I wouldn't be surprised if we got to the end of this window and Chelsea have maybe 
had a futile experience in terms of trying to get a striker in. And they might just put a little cheeky last minute. I, honestly, last year of the window, one more little bit in for Lewandowski. Can we get him in? I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if they tried something like that. Um, but I completely agree with you. I think I think Lewandowski is going uh, to remain a buy-in player. And you said a word when describing Barcelona and Laporta, illusion, giving off illusions. I think that's exactly where it is. They, they want to give off the impression that they are competing in the market. They were even talking about a few months ago about Haaland. They were never anywhere near Haaland. Um, you know, and they, but they were still talking about him as a possibility and other players as well. Um, you know, we, they're doing it with Rafinha now as well. It's giving their fans hopes. It's selling illusions to them. And ultimately, I think they're nowhere near the top end of the market to compete. Still looking at it, um, I would still rather have Barcelona's problems, as complex as they are, and you've outlined uh, very well, I think. I'd still rather have their problems than have the problem that Atletico Madrid have got, where they're losing their star player. Uh, you know, Antoine Griezmann has been something of a talisman, but it looks like he's going now. And, and it doesn't seem to be much they can do to keep him. Or am I wrong in this, Andy? Well, I, th- I think th- there's there's a couple of issues here. Um, firstly, the, the speculation around Griezmann, who Enrique Cerezo, the co- um, the president, said um, at the end of last season is definitely staying and will be an Atletico player next season. The speculation has arisen by the fact they've agreed a deal to sign Axel Witzel, uh, the midfielder who's left Borussia Dortmund, as a bit of experienced holding in in, in midfield. Um, it seems they can't get him on the wage bill at the moment. A similar situation to the one that Barcelona are experiencing because there is a salary cap in La Liga. You can't spend more than uh, 70% of your income on on wages. And they're very, very close to the top. And they've been operating like this for a while, Atletico. And because Barcelona's situation is so dire, I think it's easy to overlook what a financial tightrope Atletico um, tread because th- their costs have spiralled over the, the last eight to ten years as they've become more successful as well and you look at Griezmann and um, it was a good deal to get him back from Barcelona but not only those massive wages the fact is his confidence has drained in, in 2022 um, he's, he's, in recent months he's looked poor for Atletico he's looked poor for France He's not looked like scoring um, and he hasn't scored in, in La Liga for months and months and months. Um, he's on a really bad dry spell with France as well. And even Didier Deschamps, who's a huge um, Griezmann loyal, loyalist, has, has questioned him in, in recent months. And, you know, maybe he won't end up in the 11 when it comes to the, the World Cup. So Griezmann's in a difficult spot. He's 31. I don't think Atletico will be able to get out from under their obligation of buying him personally especially when you look at the wages david yeah absolutely that the clause that makes them the makes the deal obligatory is easy to get i think it's 50 percent of the games and he has to play 45 minutes in them that's easily done he's going to play those um 40 million obligatory uh, at the end of the next season uh, the current season as we as we move into it um and yeah it was a purely structured deal on the part of atleti they didn't really look at the big picture but I think Atleti's situation has somewhat been underrated and overlooked because of just how much of a mess Barcelona have been. But Atleti are in a serious, serious position here where they need they they need to make forty million 
um, this summer. They need us. You know that they need forty million in from sales. They're going to have to move somebody on. It's there's a lot of talk of Renan Lodi. So, and he's somebody I think they should be moving on with a young Brazilian there with massive, massive potential. Um, he's somebody you should be building the next core of your squad with, but it looks like he's going to go. The Carrasco talk never, ever goes away. You know, there's always talk of him potentially going as well because he remains a saleable asset. And Atleti are going to have to do this every single summer because their costs are just out of control. Now, they never really seem to... I think I, I think they, they will... They make a step forward, but they're always taken two back. Every single window, I always think. And you look at it, this window, Witzel... His best years are completely behind him, um, you know, and the fact that Atletia making him their, you know, their cornerstone signing is is, is is remarkable. And I think it really, really emphasizes just how bad of a situation Atleti are in. Um, there's a multitude of factors. Diego Simeone is on a huge, huge salary. There's a lot of players on very, very big salaries as well. I think money hasn't been spent wisely. Um, they've not been smart in the market for quite some time now i don't think atleti um and and yeah they've got they've got big big problems and it would be a bigger story if it weren't for just the the absolutely ridiculous situation barcelona are in talking of top class elite center forwards andy you you touched on lukaku if we can just examine his situation a little bit more obviously you know it didn't work out for him at chelsea he wanted to go back to inter it seems at least from that uh, controversial uh social media um <laughs> contribution that he made last year at some point that got him into a lot of trouble so he's back there where he belongs you could argue uh, what difference does it make, and not just to Inter, but indeed to the whole sort of transfer musical chairs in Serie A? Well, well it's interesting, Dutton, because before the Lukaku deal was even a possibility, um, we were being sold the idea of Paolo Dybala to Inter. Now, what I think has been really interesting about this window is the prospective and now completed signing, re-signing of Lukaku has not dampened the Dybala talk. So we're looking at this front three of Lukaku, Lautaro Martinez, who they're going to be hanging on to, and Paolo Dybala. Now, Dybala's frequent injury issues notwithstanding, and you know I, I think that makes him a very, very risky free, in inverted commas, signing indeed especially when you look at his age and his last couple of seasons um what were we talking about earlier about teams going with what looks shiny and what looks commercially attractive rather than what they actually need on the pitch um, i mean nicky bandini told us um a couple of months ago on on here that inter needed to reduce their wage bill by about 15 percent and you know they're they're going after they've they've re-signed Lukaku, which is not cheap. Um, they're looking at signing Dybala. They've already offered him a contract. They've signed Henrik Mkhitaryan on a free on wages that Roma weren't prepared to match. And how are they going to find the, uh, finance this by selling Milan Skriniar, arguably their best centre back, to PSG? It looks like. I mean, it's an extraordinary decision, really. I mean, there's no doubt from the Lukaku perspective how good this looks because, it, you know, he had become 
like such a millstone for for Chelsea. Um, they had basically done all their money. He'd got himself to a point where his value had dropped so much. I mean, like people are saying this is just kicking the can down the road as far as Chelsea are concerned because Inter can't afford to buy him permanently. Well, no, they can't at the moment. I mean, who knows? They might have different ownership by, by this time next year or extra investors by this time next year. But they had to do something. At the very least, I think this reinflates Lukaku's value if he gets out there and plays well. But it's not a given because as well as you talked about how he upset... Chelsea fans with his, his his sortie in the Italian media when he was trying to make up um, that that rupture he had um, in his relationship with the Inter fans uh, because that was obviously preying on his mind. There are a lot of Inter fans who haven't forgiven him, uh, and I know there are people out there who say, "Well, when he when he scores goals, um, uh, it'll be fine; they'll get over it." Some Inter fans won't get over it. Now, I don't think there will ever be the affection that there was before. And given that Lukaku is a player who needs the affection, needs the affection of the fans. He needed the affection of Antonio Conte and that brought the very best out of him and career best performances out of him. I don't think this being a success is an absolute banker. Andy, did um, do, you, do you think that uh, the main thing here is that uh, Lukaku is returning to daddy? Um, (laughs) um, just for people who don't get the reference uh, there was a report this week that that Thomas Tuchel and Lukaku were watching a a Spurs game together and Tuchel turned to Lukaku and said to him as a joke apparently oh there's your daddy in reference to Antonio Conte and it's it's, it's quite remarkable really that um, you know that if that comment is true and, and Lukaku was offended by it as well. Well, I think it, with Thomas Tuchel, it's always about delivery. I mean, that's the story <laughs> of his, his, his life, really. Um, but but it, I, think, I think it is interesting when you look at um, him going back there. I mean, it does change, as Dotton was asking before, the... Um, the, the the market out there for for, for strikers in, in in Serie A. I mean, you look at um, Gianluca Scamacca, who is making himself the the, the future number nine of, of the Italy team, the current number nine of the Italy team. Um, Sassuolo have set a big, but I don't think unreasonable price on him of about forty five million. When you you look at his ability and how young he is and what he could turn into. Um, Inter were interested. That door is shut. Um, I don't see where. Juventus are, are getting the, the the money from, particularly once the Pogba deal gets over the line, and like maybe, maybe PSG are the, are the are the bet here because they've been very interested in him. But I, I think when we're talking about that, how how short we are in terms of strikers out there, what's interesting is Nicolo Saniolo. Now we had this tweet here from uh, JWM Football saying Nicola Saniolo is strongly rumoured to be unwanted by Roma despite his obvious potential and standing by him with two serious injuries he did his cruciate in both knees of course um, why? He's been linked to Juventus and Spurs, where would he fit best? Is there another club that would suit him better? Now of course we wouldn't be talking about him as a striker at all David if we're going back to pre those injuries but we've talked about it on here before about how um his body's changed, how he's not got that same burst of speed, but my God, did he go to the gym while he was injured. And it looks like his future is as a centre forward or second striker because, you know, he's 
working on holding the ball up now and maybe drifting off the shoulder of the defender. He's, he's got a different role. Firstly, I've got two questions for you. Firstly, do you think that he can reach his full potential? And two, do you think Roma are right to say it's too much of a risk to re-sign him on big wages? Let's cash in on him while he's still got two years left on his contract. Yeah, to answer your first question, absolutely. I do still think he can reach his potential. I think we've seen down the years, players have perhaps not become the player that we thought they would, but they've still excelled. So absolutely. And also, interestingly enough, I think with the way that he's changed and like you say, those physical aspects and what he's become, I think he quite do, he quite suits Juve um, in a way and, and, and their current era. I think he suits them a lot and you could see him perhaps... Uh, playing off of uh, Vlavic. You know, I think Juve lacked that um, other striker at the moment, that other option. Um, I think he could play with Vlavic. I think he could play off Vlavic as well. Um, you know, or, or be a replacement if needs be. So I think that option is there, absolutely. Um, and secondly, yeah, I think Roma's completely justified. I think if you are in a precarious position financially, I think you have to weigh up absolutely everything. And... They're just being sensible. They're just doing due diligence um, that every club in every sport, no matter what it is, has to do. They have to look at injury records. They have to look at the way the player is developing and assess from there. And yeah, if they get what if they can get money and potentially an option or a loan of a, a you know a young player from Juve, then then I'd I'd, I'd do that deal. Yeah, yeah, I'd be, I'd definitely be in, I'd, I'd be sitting at the table listening for it that way. Let's go back to who's the daddy at the risk of upsetting Lukaku or anybody else, because he's not the only person who's uh, returned to, to his uh, um, his weaning days or the club where he was weaned at. He wasn't weaned there, actually, was he? Anyway, just for the benefit of uh, my metaphor, Alex Alexander <laughs> Lacazette, well, you know, uh, Alexander Lacazette and Corentin Talisa have returned to Leon. These are two players, two players they sold for a combined total of uh, 100 million euros. 100 million. They've got them back for nothing. How did they do that? Um, it's, it's been an effort, Dot, and there's no doubt about that. I mean, I think we talked about it on the last proper OTC of the season. Uh, we had this question about what uh, signings would you like to see for the narrative? And I, I said... Lacazette and Tolisso back for Leon, and at that point I believe that Lacazette was very possible I didn't believe Tolisso was possible at all because at that point he was free he was cordial when Leon inquired but there was very much a sense of I want to go and play for a Champions League club and that will fire my ambitions to get into France's World Cup squad. Um, but the way they've, they've talked him around is impressive. Lacazette, as he said in his own presentation, has been a huge part of that. He said, look, I'm on the recruiting team. You know, th th there's no doubt that I'm, I'm in his ear asking him to come back. And when Tolisso signed and was presented to the, the, the media, he said, well, yeah, Lacazette played a, a massive part in it it's huge for them particularly after a season in which um they missed out on europe but i think it's kind of mutual need in, in both senses because i think both lacazette and toliso have shown um plenty of their quality in their time respective times at arsenal and Bayern, but they've not 
made a completely convincing case. They've not been consistent enough. Lacazette with form and particularly goal scoring in his last season at Arsenal and Tolisso with injuries and injuries, muscle injuries have completely ruined his, his, his last season at, at Bayern. They've not convinced that they completely belong at that totally elite level. So they need to go back to a position where they will be senior players and run a team. You know, they will be the heads of, of that team. And if they shine like Tolisso's World Cup hopes, which I still think are a bit of a long shot, if he can run things uh, for a team that's on the way back in France and a, a big team that's always in the headlines, then that's great for him. And with Leon, they need to put up a flag to say we're ambitious. You know, they've just been taken over and they've got two recognisable star names in a French context uh, to come back. So, yeah, I think it's of, of mutual benefit at the moment. Um, Andy, Andy, the big question is, when is Umtiti getting announced as well? Uh, when, he, when he gets a second <laughs> knee, I think. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, look, from a, a romance perspective, I would, I would personally love Umtiti to, to go home as well, to join them. Um, he's, he's been a wonderful player. He's huge in France's 2018 World Cup win. But I mean, there, there are injuries and there are injuries. You know, I, I think mm. there, there's been talk in some places that Toliso is a bit of a gamble. I think that's a, a reasonable gamble. With Mtiti, there's just unfortunately no evidence to suggest he can do it at the top level anymore, David. And you think the first club that came out for him was was Girona. It, it looks like he might end up at Rennes, but yeah, I saw that, that as well. That, that, that Girona came out for him, I think shows you where he is at the moment after only starting one La Liga game for Barcelona last season. And it's, it's, it's really sad because what a player he was. Uh, I, I, yeah, I was, I was just thinking if, if I'm Tootie heads back, then I think another of Leon's famous sons, yourself, will return to the city. <laughs> <laughs> when, the, when the entire band is back together. <laughs> yeah, who's the daddy? You had to bring it back to that. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. 
Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. There have been a lot of uh, signings and still a lot of questions about who from Europe is coming to the Premier League. Uh, <laughs> every every single team in the Prem seems to be looking to Europe to sign players coming from over there. Uh, which players have caught your eye at the moment? Um, should we take it one at a time? Andy first, then David. Which players are coming over from the Euro Leagues have caught your eye who are coming to the Premier League? Um, well, I, I think the top one's got to be Sven Botman, hasn't it? I, I think it's, it's a great signing for Newcastle. Uh, they've, they've wanted him for a very long time. Um, that They had competition from Milan. I think from a, a financial perspective, from what I gather, Milan were nowhere near the sort of fee that Newcastle were willing to pay Lille. And th- that just shows you, really. I, I mean, we know Newcastle are, are well-backed, but, you know, they're not spending at Manchester City or Chelsea sort of levels. We've seen this before. Like, and for a very long time, you think of all the way back to N'Golo Kante coming to Leicester instead of Marseille or, or, or Lyon because there's simply more money in in the Premier League. Um, but, you know, he's a, a player who they can build around. And I, I think when you look at, say, how in a very different position, of course, Bruno Guimaraes has come over from Ligue 1, hit the ground running, really flourished. I think sometimes when, when a team are building something and Newcastle are building, um, the feeling of going from being a good player in a good team and of, of course I realised Lille had difficulties last season but they, they were champions before that and, and, and did brilliantly to, to be so with, with Botman at, at centre-back that feeling of being one of the best players in the team I think it gives a little lift you've seen that in the in the confidence of Bruno Guimaraes you know he's showed sides to his game that he, he couldn't even show in France because he was really a posh water carrier for Leon, surrounded by, by better players. Um, I'm not saying it would be quite the same uh, divide for, for for Botman, but I think, you know, it's, it's a player they really needed. They needed reinforcement in defence. I wonder if a few bigger clubs will regret not having a little go for them because the challenge for Newcastle is to stop players coming in and seeing, as, seeing it as a stepping stone to, to bigger Premier League clubs, I guess. David? Um, I think I mean, we, we briefly touched on them, but I think Bubakar Kamara going to Aston Villa is such a smart, just a brilliant, brilliant deal. Um, Atleti thought they had him in the bag, but apparently a, a meeting with Gerard swayed it. 
Um, so it just goes to show the power that Gerard's got from his playing days, um, that he can swing a deal like that. So yeah, I think he's, you know, he's he's versatile centre back, defensive mid if needed as well. Um, still young, I think he's already shown, you know, his potential, how reliable he can be with Marseille. So I really, really like that one for Villa. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really really impressed with that, and I think if I was to throw a curveball in. I think, you know, Brighton's recruitment has been really intelligent for the past few years. I think they've got a fantastic manager in Porter. I think they've, you know, for them to get a player like Julio Enciso, who's been so, so impressive in Paraguay, looks really interesting, teenager. Um, he finished the season there with 11 and 14 before leaving. Uh, very, just a rapid player, good dribbling skills. Ability to finish as well. He can play anywhere across the front line. He's going to be a really interesting one to watch in terms of how they develop him, whether they send him on loan somewhere or whether they use him straight away. It's going to be interesting to see how he goes. So I felt like I had to give that a mention as well because there's some smart business being done um, about the Premier League by some of these teams. Yeah, it wouldn't have escaped your knowledge or your interest that um, Manchester United are looking more and more like a Dutch team nowadays because of Eric Ten Hag. Uh, t- seems like all the Dutch players available are headed straight for Old Trafford. Uh, what do you make of this guy that's gone there from Feyenoord, uh, Tyrell Malaysia, is it? Yeah, Malaysia. Yeah, it's you know it's not quite done, but it, it, it's one of those with like like Frankie De Jong. It looks like it's in, inevitable, and you know if Man United can announce those at the um, same time, it'll probably uh, just calm things with their fan base for for a little bit. You know, after such a torrid time. But yeah, Malaysia. You know, the hope is he can be their next Patrice Evera. Um, he can be their next little tenacious player from left back, left wing back, extremely quick. Um, very, very good 1v1 situations defensively. I think he's got a lot of defensive acumen. I think he's already shown that you know his positional sense is good. Um, he's, he's strong in the tackle, very hungry player. Um, there's some work to do, I think, on his end product. Um, you know, on the way that he moves into attack, I think there's work to do there, but you are buying potential here. And the hope is somebody like Ten Hag, who already knows him, um, you know, really well, um, that that he can really shape him um, and better than previous Man United managers have done with with young talent. So that's going to be a really interesting one to to see. And and Andy, I've taught you before about what Taiwo means in the Yoruba language of Nigeria. Um, you will remember the Taiwo. If somebody's called Taiwo, they're a twin because Taiwo means twin, and Taiwo is the first twin. To come out. Do you remember that? Anyway, um, Taiwo Awaniyi is uh, going to Nottingham Forest, ex Liverpool. Yeah, that's right. Um, couldn't get a work permit for Liverpool, so they loaned him out a couple of times. Um, and then he met Union Berlin, and it was beautiful when he ended up going there permanently. Um, really really good for them and um he was their top scorer last season scored 20 goals last season ended up being their top scorer of all time in the top flight of course they've only been in the top flight for 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 three seasons and his last goal um proved to be quite the parting gift because it made sure they qualified for the europa league next season having been in the conference league um this season i think there's a couple of things that are really impressive about him um his strength and power is obviously something that will make people look at him and think 
um, he's suitable for the Premier League. But I, I think there's there's much more to him than that. He's he's super intelligent. Um, he's a great finisher. He doesn't just have to wait for a chance. He can he can make his own um, opportunities as as well. And I think if you look at the point midway through last season when Max Cruiser, his strike partner, went back to Wolfsburg and he was quite open that he went back for the money, um, which is fine, of course. Um, but Cruiser's a, a really irreplaceable player, especially for a team like Union. Uh, he's a player who's a, a really creative sort of striker who can see a pass. And I wondered how it would affect Owen's form when Cruiser went. But he responded really brilliantly. Um, he took the weight on his shoulders and that they got to the Europa League and actually to the brink of the Champions League. They weren't that far off in, in, in the end. A huge part of it was was down to him. So I think that he can succeed and score goals in a team that doesn't create bucket loads of chances makes him not just a good player, but very valuable for Forrest and what they're trying to do in re-establishing themselves in the Premier League. What about this defensive midfielder who's going to Fulham, Joe Paulinha? Um, what can you tell us about him? Um, we, we talked about the money before and um, how well-backed Premier League clubs are. You know, this guy should be Portugal's starting midfield, uh, starting defensive midfielder going all the way forward. Um, and he should have been at the, the, the start of the Euros. It would have given them a better start to the Euros um, last year, I think. Uh, he's, he's a champion with sporting. He's come on so much in the past two to three years. Um, really well built, but also very judicious on the ball as well. Doesn't have to dive into tackles because he always gets himself in the in, in the right spot, even though he can handle himself physically. For me, uh, straight away, I thought it was remarkable that a club like, like Fulham, a team like Fulham, could get him but that is the financial power of the Premier League and I think if you're looking to protect the defence if you're looking to have a solid spine he's absolutely ideal for them Guys we've had an amazing response um, on social media uh, to our offer to to uh, mention any footballers of interest being transferred uh, over the summer period. It was absolutely amazing response, I must say. And just to say, you can get hold of us at any time during the course of the week at Football Ramble, at Dotton Adebayo, at Andy Brassel, and at David Jacker. So this tweet is from Brian, who says, and this is, by the way, about players playing in Euroland who aren't coming to the UK, but nevertheless, um, <laughs> Sebastian Haller, West Ham fans remember him very well. And of course, he, he went to Holland, uh, but he's now gone to Germany, gone to Dortmund as a kind of a replacement. Is he for, for Holland? He's gone to Man City? Yeah, I think the thing with Haller is he is extremely, extremely different um, to, to Erlen Haaland. Um, but I think what I admire most about what Allaire has done. He could have really, really gone under after that period at West Ham um, and, you know, really, really been weighed down by the the failure of that. You know, I didn't even want to use the word failure there, but, you know, that's essentially where it was there. So for him to, re you know, to rejuvenate himself at Ajax, get another big move, um, I think is really, really impressive. It goes to show his character, his mentality and, and you know, you know what he's capable of. In terms of on the field, I think, you know, he's shown his energy in the penalty area um, and he's 
aggression basically when it when it comes to attacking the ball in the penalty area the way he takes up positions in there the way his movement um is as well i think that's really impressive and i think you know dortmund are switching i think we're going to see a big switch in in dortmund's style and and and, and how they play and if we look they've got adiemi in as well who's also going to add another dimension to their attack it's going to be interesting to see how everybody fits in um there and in overall from a dortmund point of view while we're there I think they've done probably some of the smartest business in Europe uh, this summer so far. They've got their signings in early. They haven't been involved really in any, you know, tussle, any back and forth. They knew Haaland was going. He's gone early and they've been able to plan accordingly. Um, And I think they look in really, really good shape. I would agree with that. And I think... If you talk about the, the the good bits of business they've done, I think one that's kind of gone under the radar that is going to be really important for them. You talked about Axel Witzel being way past his best earlier, David, which I, I would agree with. I think that they've got Sally Özjan and from uh, Köln. It's going to protect their defence, their new defence, of course, because they've brought in uh, Zula and Schlotterbeck. Um, you can have the best defenders in the world if you haven't got a decent defensive midfielder to hold it down in front of them and a decent structure in front of them then they're just going to be open especially with the possession based way that, that, that Dortmund play so I think Özjan um, is, is going to be one of the best pieces of business you know cost what six seven million euros which is is great pickup I think um, he's proved himself as a really good Premier um, really good Bundesliga player Um but go, going back briefly to Alaire, I think where he could be, I don't know if more valuable than Holland is, is is the right word because Holland is, is it was obviously fantastic for them and the numbers are great. I think what it is with Alaire, you've got to accept it's not just about the goals. Of course, his goal scoring for Ajax and his goal scoring in the, the Champions League was exemplary last season. But to have a centre forward who can bring other players into play like he did with Dusan Tadic and others I, I, th- I think that's super important and I, I think Adeyemi will benefit from that Marco Royce will benefit from that Yusufa Makoko will benefit from from that so I think it's what he adds to the team besides goals that makes him super important I think you're both right about Heller I think he's a quality quality player and I, I take your reluctance to describe his time at West Ham as a failure David because I, I think he's uh, superb it didn't work out for him at West Ham, but you know, a, a striker that can play with his back to goal in the penalty area, mate, and hold mm. people off. I think you'd be mad to not suggest that this is a quality, quality signing from them. Anyway, we've got another tweet from Corstenbury who says, and this is a great question actually. All this talk about swap deals, you hear so much about it um, when it comes to transfer windows, swap deals. And Corsenbury says, especially this year, but do they ever actually happen? Who wants to take that? Yeah, I think a lot more swap deals happen than are actually described as as swap deals. I think, especially post-pandemic, teams are having to be more creative. Of course, um, swap deals are something that has been part of the Serie A transfer landscape for for donkey's years but I think we saw with the um, I suppose one of the most celebrated swap deals that wasn't a swap deal would have been Miralem Pjanic for Artur between Barcelona and Juventus 
Now, everyone in the world knows that that is essentially a swap deal, but it's sold as two independent transfers. Why? Well, say, for example, you've got two players who you think are of equal value. Say we've got two players, um, Club A and Club B, each have a player who's worth 50 million. Now, when you sign a player for 50 million, you can amortize the cost of the transfer fee over the length of the contract. So you sign him for 50 million and um, it goes down on the accounts if he's got a five-year contract as 10 million a year. When you sell a player for 50 million, that all goes on this year's slate. So it comes off as a, a big profit. And especially when so many clubs, and we've been talking about the financial gymnastics that Barcelona and Atletico are, are grappling with at the moment, if you structure it, a swap deal, as two separate transfers, it's way better for your accounts. David, do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Look, it's <laughs> it's just the name of the game now. It's a, it's a, it's a business thing. Um, you know, it's it's almost not really, you know, from a on-the-pitch stylistic point of view, it is a, a business deal. But this is the way things are now. Um, clubs, I think, have been run so poorly. Elite clubs that... They have to do transfers like this. They shouldn't have to, but but they do. And uh, yeah, it's the name of the game. Okay, one more tweet from Jack. Um, you kind of answered this in so many different ways, both of you. But nevertheless, who's done the best deal um, over this summer period? Uh, well, we talked about midfielders before, didn't we? And uh, Sally Özjan, I think, is, is is up there for Dortmund. Um Another one I point out that's just got over the line in the last day or so um, is Vitinha to to Paris Saint Germain from Porto. Um, now I guess there will be people out there, particularly Wolves fans, scratching their heads, thinking, "Hang on, we could have signed this guy permanently for half the price. He's gone back to Porto, had a good season, and, and now he's playing for PSG." Well. You know, sometimes it's just not the right time. It doesn't happen. Or maybe they could have given Vitinha more of a chance. Uh, I certainly think that's the case. But I think he's really important for what PSG are trying to do. And what they're trying to do is make more sensible signings rather than superstar signings. Um, Vitinha did have a very good season at Porto. What is so important about him is he's someone who uses the ball very well. He can make the team tick. And the problem they've had for a number of years is that Marco Verratti is unlike any other midfielder in the world. He's also a walking booking who can't keep himself fit. And and so they need someone to play with him slash play for him. They've needed that for a long time. And I think they've seen in Vitinha the player who can do that. Um, and for me, uh, <laughs> it's a favourite of mine. He has been for quite some time. Uh, Mark Rocker, um, heading to Leeds from Bayern Munich. 10 million euros. Um, I think this lad's had a, a, a bad, bad run of it. When he was at Espanyol, before he left for Bayern Munich, we were talking about a player who was, I think, on the verge of stardom. I think he was going to be a key part of the Spain team, the next great Spain team. Um, I think he probably could have commanded a, a move to a lot of clubs. But he ended up going to Bayern, and he just happened to arrive at Bayern in a time when they were going through a lot of changes um, and things weren't really settled. And I think it really, really hindered him. And I think he was also impacted by the style of football that was that was going to be played um, there as well. And for whatever reason, it, you know, <laughs> for the, those reasons involved, it didn't work out. Now, 
he gets a chance, I think, to come to Leeds, be a starting midfielder because Calvin Phillips is off to Manchester City. Um, for a fraction of the money they're going to get for Calvin Phillips, they get a player who can do exactly what Phillips does, but also I think he can provide a little bit more as well. He can join the attack. He can play a little bit of box-to-box if he can if he wants to. Um, his passing range, excellent. Vision of the game, really impressive too. Um, he can stick a foot in, so he's you know he's you're not scared of tackling either, which he'll have to do plenty of in that Leeds team. Um, and I think he's a really, really, just really, really impressive player. He's lovely to watch. I think the Leeds fans will, you know, they're going to be sad that Phillips is gone, but I think they've got a player in Rocker who's very exciting and. As well, Leeds' business has been really impressive so far. You know, um, I think to get Aronson and Christensen in and Rocker all for fifty million, I think is is good business, and that's essentially going to be the Phillips money. They're going to sell Rafinha, and from the names that they've been linked with so far, I'm very confident that they'll get in somebody you know equally as impressive. And I think you know they've been linked with Gakpo, um, a really smart, just really exciting player, Charles Catella as well another one who's really interesting so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Leeds do with the with the Rafinha money next because I like what they've done with the, the Calvin Phillips money yeah normally at this time you know regular on the continent listeners will know that we ask you to give a recommendation of game of the week and a food pairing to go with it obviously we're not doing that now on this summer break but um Given that this is all about transfers, and we'll we'll be back with another OTC transfer special next week, um, but I may as well say, you know, when you do a decent deal, you you, you celebrate it with a drink. And I'm here in Stockholm, where you can only buy <laughs> you can only buy you can only buy the booze from the government appointed Sistian Bolaget. But I bought some booze for you both uh, to recommend for you both uh, some punch, some old style punch, which is a liqueur, and um, well, some stark which is some strong beer as well to go down well with any good business done um, in the transfer window Football Ramble Presents is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.